Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. The social media landscape is constantly evolving. It's addictive, fun, engaging, it connects people, but it can also be extremely toxic. The AFL social media guru, Ann Fedorovich, is one of the best in the business. This crows-mad footy fanatic gives us an insight into her job, her career journey, and the perils of social media. This is her story. Well, Anne, it's great to have you on. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So you are the AFL's social media guru, and I guess there are so many people out there who would love to do what you do every day. What do you love most about your job? Uh, what do I love most about my job? I, I love footy. I love footy, which um, which is great. So the fact that I get to um, work, work in an area that I'm most passionate about is really is really rewarding for me and it and it certainly makes my day-to-day life not feel like a job as such um I mean it certainly has its moments but yeah to be at the forefront of footy connecting with fans sharing stories and moments and kind of playing a role in in the AFL media landscape is just something that I'm really passionate about and yeah I'm very 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 lucky to do what I do where did your passion for footy start? I know you're a mad Crows supporter, so it must kill you slightly that they are on the bottom of the ladder at the moment. It does, it does. But I think at some point not having any expectation this year helps because it's such a crazy year, but I'm just resigned to the Crows losing every game. So, um, yeah, that's 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 all right. But, um, yeah, so I... I grew up um, loving footy, grew up in Adelaide, went to the games um, down at Footy Park with my dad. We were Crows members and would go to every every home game. And then as I got older, um, my fandom kind of increased. I was like a Crows, a full-on Crows nuffy and um, started to sort of explore um, ways that I could get involved with footy. And um, yep. at that point in time, women's footy wasn't such a big thing. So um, my sort of avenue in was um, through my passion for riding. So yeah, basically I would um, I would go out, go out to Crows training. I was a teenager, uh, go out there and um, started writing training reports and sharing them online. And then um, that sort of picked up. And then um, someone from the Crows um, had seen what I was doing and they asked if I wanted to write on their website. So I actually had a weekly blog on the Crows website for a few years. Um, that was later on in high school and sort of early early into uni. I think um, getting my foot in the door at quite an early age, like I was 16, 17, um, definitely helped me in the long run. And um, I think um, building on my passion and my passion for footy and my passion for the crows and just being able to express that um, in my writing and my experiences at games and travelling traveling to Melbourne to games. And I went to um, Perth and Brisbane and sort of followed the crows around the country um, when I was in year 12, um, which is maybe a little bit tragic, but I loved it. Um, so <laughs> having, ha- having that experience, um, I think, really, really held me in good stead um, for my career. So from there, you're writing, you know, your weekly blog, you're doing Crows training, you're involved with the club, you're following them across the country. Did you always know that 
a job in the media, that's where you wanted your career to go? And what did you study at university for people who are looking to potentially take a similar path to you? Sure. Um, So I um, finished year 12 and went straight into a Bachelor of Journalism at UniSA. I did a sub-major in public relations. Um, that That was awesome. Like I really enjoyed my time at uni and probably what I got most out of it was just a just a broader experience of different types of journalism um, and then also with the perspective of PR side of things. Um, So that kind of really allowed me to help weigh up and decide what I actually wanted to do as a career because writing blogs and training reports is not going to get you um, (laughs) that far um, in terms of um, a job in the media. But through um, uni and also a lot of work experience while I was at uni definitely helped me make a decision on the direction I wanted to go in my career. And what did you decide that direction was? Like if you think back and reflect back to your uni days, did you have an ideal or dream job that you had in your mind? Yeah, so my my dream job was to work at The Crows and I didn't initially know what that looked like like I was I was building my um my sort of experience in media and knew knew that I wanted to work um within that realm um but once I'd finished uni um I was in Adelaide for another year and kind of looking for work and sort of timing wise it um there wasn't really anything available at the Crows then so um that's when I knew I needed to look further abroad and just still wanted to get into footy somehow and um, was really ready just for any opportunity to get into footy. And then what was that opportunity that presented for you? Um, Well, back in the day, so a little while ago now, um, (laughs) I think it was 2013, um, I applied for a rookie reporter internship at AFL Media. Um, It was a new program um, at the AFL and I applied. um, I was still in Adelaide at the time and, yeah, was very lucky to be one of the successful applicants, I think, from um, over 100 people and one of of only a small handful of women that had applied. So that was sort of how I got my start at the AFL and then um, I think, I shifted over to Victoria and was able to take up that internship. And then halfway through 2013, I um, picked up some casual work in the social media team as there was a few roles had changed and people were moving around. And um, basically, I've been there ever since. So you actually just packed up and you left your home in Adelaide in South Australia and you came to Victoria. I mean, that's that's a pretty gutsy move. It is. It is. It was like I almost look back at it now and think, how did I do that? Like it's it sounds really daunting and scary, but I think I was just at that age. Um, I would have been 21 or 22 and I was just kind of just ready to start, to start my life. Um, and my um, boyfriend at the time was living in Ballarat. He's from Ballarat. So um, timing-wise there, it kind of made sense for me to um, move over to be with him and then um, it all kind of fell into place from there. The football industry as we know it 
is still very much a male-dominated industry. Have there been challenges for you as a woman in the industry or has there in fact been some advantages being a woman and the industry trying to make steps to be more diverse? I think honestly I haven't experienced any sort of outward sexism that um, whether it be at at the footy or, um, you know, uh, behind the scenes or in the workplace either. I think I've been very lucky in that regard and um, I'm not sure whether it's because I got into it um, when I was younger and have kind of grown up within within the game. I think people and other males in particular have always just kind of respected my opinion and, you know, I was I was I was out there at Westlake's writing training reports and writing notes and like, you know, I I really knew my stuff and I think I think that was respected um, more so and I was confident. I never sort of really worried too much about what other people thought of me. I didn't see it I didn't see it to be weird or unusual that uh, that that a woman could be so passionate and knowledgeable about footy. So I always just kind of went went with it, whether I was naive to bigger and deeper issues within the within the footy realm. But I've been very lucky that it's something that I've never come across myself. And then um, to the second part of your question, um, whether it's been an advantage, I think I think on that point as well, I want to say yes, but I think at the same time it's just always come back to people respecting my work and my opinion and my knowledge of not only of what I do but of football. So um, from that from that perspective, I've never really felt like someone's given me a leg up just because I'm a woman. It's always kind of been based on my skill set and my knowledge. Yeah, because there is discussion points at times and debate about tokenism and employing women in some of these industries in roles where they think, oh, well, we need to really have a woman um, because we need to be seen to be diverse. But I, yeah. I certainly think in your case, if we just look at your credentials and your background and all the experiences that you've had to get to that point, it was certainly based on your knowledge and your credentials rather than your gender, which is something that you can definitely hang your hat on. Why Why social media for you? What is it that is appealing as opposed to maybe, you know, writing yarns and having a radio show or something like that? Why social yeah. media? As I touched on earlier, I quickly found out at uni what I liked and what I didn't like um, in terms of journalism. So um, I did one semester of sports journalism and that had me going out to SANFL games and writing match reports. And it was sort of a different take on um, the blogging and writing I had done in the past was um, more in-depth of sharing my personal experience um, as a fan at games and what I thought about the team and players and almost more of a lifestyle kind of skewed piece. Whereas um, when I sort of went into more writing hard news, um, for me, it felt a bit more repetitive and not as not as lively as yep. um, some of the experience I had had in the past. But then at at that point in time as well, social media was kind of just just starting to take off. So um, Facebook and Twitter in particular were 
the two big channels at the time and then Instagram was only just starting. So I had a, I did some work experience at Adelaide United and um, through that on their match days just I would volunteer and um, do all their live tweeting and be able to get down to the pitch and take photos of the players and I actually started their Instagram account um, and I think that's that opportunity actually made me realize, hey, there's 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 something in this here, like social media, match coverage, you know, connecting with the fans, being on the spot, being more timely, and um, sort of capturing moments from the game and sharing them to fans straight away um, in real time. That's that's what really re- resonated with me, and I found that was where my passion was heading. I mean, social media has been such a game changer in the AFL landscape and for businesses in general in terms of fan engagement, engaging with your audience. And a lot of people think that it's just about taking pictures and videos with like a couple of clever captions, but it is actually (laughs) more than that. I mean, what are all the things that you have to weigh up on a a daily basis because it's strategic about what time you post? You have to think about, am I posting to TikTok, to Instagram, to Snapchat, to Twitter, like all the different mediums within the social media landscape. It's quite complex, isn't it? It is for sure. And I think um, at the AFL as well, um, our social team uh, works out of AFL media. So we certainly take more of a have more of a media skew to our content um, compared to like a real hardcore official um, comms account. Um, So we're lucky in that regard that um, we're able to be more flexible with our content and kind of have more fun as well. But uh, we work very closely with the news cycle. So um, that's something that we have to keep across every day and news can break at any moment. So we always have to be on our toes with that. And then we're also in a unique position where a lot of the stuff that we post doesn't need to be approved. So there's a certain level of, of trust and experience that um, that you have to have to be able to, you know, I'm hitting post on Facebook and it's going to a million people. <laughs> you know, there, there has to be yep. a certain level of um, know-how um, in terms of wording and tone and um, not not overstepping the line and kind of finding that balance between, I guess, literally rep- representing the AFL, but then, um, you know, also sharing news and connecting with fans on on a different level. What is it like for you on a regular day? So let, let's do match day. What What's a regular day for you and what are the things that you look out for um, and that you sort of need to achieve on, on a match day from a social sure. media perspective? Well, match day is the fun day. <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I love getting out. I love getting out to games and um, capturing all the behind-the-scenes content and um, it's a really unique position for me to, to be in. So to be able to um, share, share that content with fans is probably the favourite thing about my job. But... Typically on a match day, I sort of always um, aim to arrive early at the ground and um, familiar, familiarise myself with, um, you know, sort of where I have to go and timings and I'll note down um, change, room, change room times, um, warm-up times, times the teams run out, 
Um, so all that kind of nitty gritty stuff. And then um, normally I like to set up my coverage with like a scenic shot of the ground and then um, head down to the ground myself and and basically just roaming the boundary line, um, trying to interact with players, cap- capture warm-up shots. And then um, in previous times we would get the opportunity to go into the change rooms for little bursts and um, capture some of the players getting ready um, in the change rooms and then um, warm up the on-ground warm-up and then um, you're working towards the team running out onto the ground and um, yeah and then basically post-game it's it's all about the color of the color of the winner um, any best on-ground performers will sort of try and I'll try and keep my eye out to capture um, content of them and yeah it's it's kind of it's actually interesting to stop and talk it through because now in these um, COVID times, um, obviously there's very little fan interaction, if at any. Um, so that has probably taken away um, that aspect from our coverage. Obviously your journalism background here comes into play when you think about what you need to capture and where to go because often you capture those moments that maybe people haven't thought of. I mean, I remember last year one of the posts that really uh, attracted a lot of, a lot of attention was um, Hawthorne with Sebi, young Sebi, who, had, uh, who was blind and he ran out with the team. But you captured some really beautiful moments with that. How do you know where to go and what to capture? I think in um, social media as a whole, not only um, from the match coverage, um, taking photos and video side of things, but even um, online and that, I think you just you just either get it or you don't. Um, yep. It's sort of it's sort of a line I've always run with. Like there's just some people that will kind of just have a knack, just a knack for knowing what what works, having a knack for knowing what people want to see. Um, and just sharing those kind of high value moments. Um, and then on game day for me, I think it's just, I don't know, it's just like having an eye for it. Um, yeah, yes. I'm just alert, I'm looking out. Um, and then with, with that knowledge of knowing what goes well on social, whether it be um, a heartwarming moment, a big name player, um, is it a milestone game? Is it someone making their debut? Is it someone who's got family in the crowd? Is it someone who's you know, running out with their kids? It's all those kind of kinds of moments that that really resonate on social. So they're always at the forefront of my mind. And with Sebi in particular, I had seen him in the change rooms um, pre-game and noticed he was blind and. Um, I didn't know he was going to be there or um, I wasn't aware of his story at that point. And just as I was waiting for the team to run out, um, he was sort of standing right right at the front of the race and I could just see in my head how this was going to play out. Um, you know, here's this, this, um, this boy who's, who's blind and he was getting excited and jumping up and down and, just the noise of the crowd and his reaction to that and his anticipation of the team running out, I could kind of just see how that was going to unfold. So then it's working out 
the angle I need to be at, you know, I'm trying to capture um, him and the players' faces as they're walking towards me. I don't want to, I don't want to miss their faces. So it's being on the right side. It's um, being out of the way of the broadcast camera. So um, and the photographers as well. So trying to position myself. But um, I think over time, I've definitely learned from mistakes and from missing moments that in those moments, you just have to be prepared and ready and just keep a lookout for anything like that. And um, I think having that news background does help because you are picking up on those stories and you're capturing those stories live as they're happening. So it's honestly, it's what I love best about my job. And um, yeah, it's it's just awesome to do it week in, week out. The players are very familiar with you now and I often see you on the TV broadcast. Did it take a <laughs> while getting your, you know, your 15 seconds of fame, but did it take you a while to earn the trust of the players? Because now you'll actually, you'll be there with your phone and they'll walk past you and they'll they'll actually give you something if you're rolling on yes. video or a picture or something because you now have that relationship and that rapport with them. Did it take a while to earn that? Yeah, I think so. It's been, it has been, um, it has been a long time in the making. We only started um, having access to games. I think it was Hawthorne's last grand final of their run. You'll probably know the year off the top of your head now. 2015. 2015. The last one. The end of the three Um, feet. Yes. Yeah. So it's been a long time since our flag. Come on. <laughs> Just coming from a Hawthorne supporter to a Crow supporter. Sorry. I mean, that's only, what, five years of coverage. That sounds a lot now, but um, I guess it, it was building up from that final series to 2016 and then getting out to more games and then slowly building up and getting out and covering all the clubs and them kind of seeing me and recognising me. Um, I think it it was a longer process. And then um, even so in just the last couple of years, we've had more opportunity um, as AFL media to shoot with players at different content capture opportunities. So I think um, meeting players outside of game day has been really helpful for me as well. And also um, I was a part of the international rules team um, when it was last in Australia and things like AFLX and um, the bushfire game earlier this year, all those kind, of, all those experiences have also helped me build relationships with players because you know nothing, nothing will beat a, a, a player interacting with you on game day firsthand, and that's that's showing fans sort of a level that we wouldn't have access to otherwise. Are there things that you see that you're not allowed to capture? Not. Too often, honestly, um, the window that of time that we typically have in the change rooms pre-game um, is approved by the club and it's also the time where the broadcaster comes in. So there are other cameras around then as well. So I think it's it, w- it would generally be a warm-up time where players might be doing stuff by themselves or the whole team might doing a a bit of a run through with some music so nothing that we're really not supposed to see there um I've only had a couple of experiences where um a player's been injured or 
there's some sort of other um, backstory. I remember I covered one of the Crows games not long after Sam Jacobs' brother passed away and there was a moment he shared with his wife in the rooms post-game and game and he was visibly upset um, and I guess it's just knowing then that that's not the time to take a photo or that's not the time yeah. to film and put my phone in his face so yeah. um, there have been some moments like that and Alex Johnson's last game of AFL when he when he did his knee um, I was in the Swans rooms post-game and it was it was very somber it was very somber so just just knowing I guess the mood, the tone, and also the respect level. And I never want players to think that I'm intruding. Yeah. So always, I'm always mindful of that. Social media trolls, they've been there for a long time, but I just feel like in the last couple of years, two to three years, the amount of trolling and online bullying that goes on, we've had racist comments um, towards AFL players how do you handle this in in your role? Like you obviously have to monitor the social media posts quite closely, um, but but how do you handle, I guess, the bullying and and the social media trolls in your job? I think I've built up a bit of a thick skin, which which unfortunately you just kind of need to do because it's it certainly is pretty pretty constant. Um, we have certain filters in place where. Um, you know, we can we can hide swear words and certain derogatory comments, and that which which helps take some of the load off our shoulders. But on a day to day level, you are consuming a lot of negativity, um, which is which is really sad. And and it's at some point, yes, I'm just the social media person reading through them all. Like I can't imagine, you know, how hard it is for the players who, you know, personally have to read all this sort of horrible stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's unfortunately a, a dark side of social media. Is it becoming worse? Um, I think to a point, to a point, I think it's always been there, but whether it's just the conversation is is changing um, as a society, so people are calling it out more, which is bringing more attention to it. Um, and then I think there are some people out there who purely just do it for attention seeking pur- purposes, which is, which is, which is really sad. And then consequently, as they're being called out and more attention is being brought to it, it's just spurring more people on. So for us, it's finding that balance between when is the right time to kind of call something out and make a point? When is the right time to, um, report, block, delete and, you know, when is when is the right time to let something go? You've also had a, a lifestyle and fashion vlog interest as well but when we look at social media as a whole on this issue of bullying, online bullying and media trolls, I mean it's, it's widespread across the board and you sort of tend to worry about the younger generation coming through and how much importance they place on social media and how many likes they're getting on Instagram. I mean, how have you seen that evolution of things? And in particular, because you have been involved in the lifestyle and the fashion space within social media as well, which I think it's really serious issue for young women. 
Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And it's something that I um, probably experienced firsthand when I, um, you know, I was only working casually at the AFL. So had some spare time in my hands and thought I'll explore um, some of my other interests such as fashion and lifestyle and style and shopping. So um, I kind of went down that path for a short while, but um, myself very quickly um, saw how toxic that environment is and how it's just not a healthy space to be. And I think like it, it, it scares me <laughs> that they're like the next generation of teenagers and young girls growing up in more so in that space and being exposed to it at such a young age I've, I've learned a lot from my own experiences and 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 that's you know coming into my late 20s now I think I've it, it's helped me get a broader understanding of social media um, on a personal level and um, which then helps me in the workplace as well when you say you've had firsthand experience of how toxic that environment is. Can you elaborate a little bit more and and give us some examples of what you may have experienced? Sure. So, um, yeah, when I started my Instagram, personal Instagram account kind of going down that um, fashion path, um, I experienced some bullying myself and um, just other young uh, women who were sort of uh, it just became a bit kind of competitive, I think, and, and um, you know, had people kind of blatantly copying me and I was, you know, I had just moved from Adelaide and I was, you know, tr- trying to get my start um, in my career and doing this on the side and then kind of just started to think, hang on, this, 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 this doesn't feel good, like why is this? why is this happening to me? What am I doing? I'm, I'm not doing anything wrong. I kind of was very lucky to um, grow up um, and not be exposed to bullying as such. So, that, so social media was my first experience of that in my early 20s. And um, it, was, it was hard. It was, a, it was a learning curve for me. And I think, um, you know, I'm stronger for it now, but um, it definitely shed some light on that side of social media that um doesn't doesn't sit very well with me what um like what impact did it have on you ultimately it definitely affected my mental health I think it was more a a stress thing an anxiety kind of thing being being so pent up and you know I was always very honest and upfront with how I dealt with it and it wasn't it wasn't reciprocated to me. So um, having to digest that and just all these different negative feelings, um, it's it certainly did get me down. Um, but I think, you know, now coming through the other side of that social media experience, I've um, learned a lot in terms of personal relationships and also just like what's important in life. Like it sounds silly, but you can get so caught up in your phone and in social media and Instagram. And I know to this day, I'm still guilty of mindlessly scrolling. But <laughs> I think we all um, are. 
<laughs> it, it like going through what I went through and um, some of the bullying and negativity of it all sort of helped me see that no hang on that there is there is more to life than social media and Instagram can look like a you know everyone's highlight reel and it's all picture perfect and um, whether it's you know you're comparing yourself to other people and what they're posting and all that stuff but to be out and out step away from it at the end of the day and realize that no you know there's there's still a real world around us um is something that I've kind of learned along the way and I and I must say as well I think my career and being able to focus more on my career in the last few years as, as that's sort of solidified itself has kind of grounded me as well you're currently in a very strange situation um you are in a hub right now. As we know, uh, footy <laughs> has been moved out of Victoria. Most of the clubs are going to be based in Queensland for the next sort of 10 weeks or so. And you found yourself moving out to a hub about a month ago um, in Queensland. How is that for you? What sort of insight can you give us into what it's like living in a hub where you have to get COVID tested regularly? And what are you seeing there and experiencing? It's crazy it's crazy in a like out of this world I never thought I'd be doing this kind of way um it's it's better than what I expected I was actually quite hesitant to um take the opportunity to come up here initially but um now that I'm here and I've been here for um I think just over five weeks now it's been a wild ride and experience and hopefully I'll look back on it one day and think oh my god I can't believe I did that but um it's yeah it's it's good it's good um the Queensland weather is is a definite bonus it's 22 and sunny most days so all right don't rub it in around in t-shirts <laughs> um but yeah we're living with the clubs um at a resort on the Gold Coast um we've got Essendon and Carlton in where I am at the moment and had previously had Fremantle and West Coast. So, you know, you're getting in the lift and there's Nick Nad or you're waiting for your coffee order and, um, you know, there's Eddie Betts. And um, so that kind of experience has been different, but um, it's the content opportunities that we've had up here, we never would have had otherwise. So I think it's trying to see that silver lining and embrace the experience as much as we can and yeah hopefully get some different lifestyle sort of type of content out there to the fans and sort of show them this is what it's like because you know it's been such a such a crazy year that um, if we can help bring footy back to the fans particularly in Victoria but also um, WA and SA and um, just help, just help them feel connected to their players and the game itself. Um, it's a really unique experience. A lot of people out there want to get into sports media. It is a hard industry to tap into. But for those who do want a career um, in the sports media industry or perhaps a career in social media, whether it be in fashion or lifestyle or, or any sort of medium in that respect, what sort of advice would you have for them when trying to pursue a career? A couple of things that I found really beneficial for me um, sort of getting my foot in the door was 
uh, work experience and networking. So work experience for me, as I touched on earlier, was um, writing on the Crows website and, um, you know, just just getting my name out there. And, you know, that, that was a lot of, that was a lot of work. Um, that was a lot of work for me. So, and it was all, it was all free. Um, I didn't get paid, but, um, for me, I was, I was doing what I loved and I could slowly start to see the benefits of getting my name out there as more people in the media industry started to know who I was. So, um, work experience was fantastic for me and networking as well so um and the two kind of go hand in hand so um through work through the work experience I was meeting people at clubs um in different sports um in in the media itself and you know by getting your name out there and um meeting people face to face that sort of that was really, really, really beneficial. I can't stress that enough in in terms of me um, getting more opportunities and building my resume. So when I was ready to um, get into the workforce, I already had um, sort of a great catalogue of work behind me. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Anne, for sharing your insight into the world of social media and your job at the AFL. You're absolutely smashing it and it is awesome to see all of your content across all of the different mediums um, that we follow as AFL fans. So thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Nat, and go Crows. Adelaide Mad, she is indeed. That was Anne's story. If you want to know more about her job and take a sneak peek behind the scenes at the AFL and the Queensland hub where she is right now, you can follow Anne on Instagram at Anne Fed. You can also follow me on Insta at Her Story Podcast or at Nat Edwards underscore AFL. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode.